This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. If they expect me to walk away from Luton with nothing, I'll make very sure there's nothing to walk away from. Hello and welcome to the Oak Road Hatter podcast. I'm Billy Mully, joined today by Kieran Robertson following yesterday's 2-1, I was going to say 1-0, 2-1 victory at Goodison Park against Everton, a game where we've done it again. 2-1 victory at Goodison Park for the second time this season. Kieran, how are you? <laughs> I mean, under the circumstances, mate, not bad. And um, as I ran out and everyone was shouting as we were leaving the ground. I just smacked the top and was like, we run Goodison now. I Liverpool's our New Yorkshire, mate. Doing well so far. That two is it. Good job. We're I mean, against Liverpool as well. We're, we're doing very well against the Merseyside clubs. And uh... it, it made that seven hour journey round trip for me and dad um, very much worth it. Put it that way. 100%. Today, we're going to run through yesterday's victory at Goodison Park. We're going to go through the latest in the January transfer window. Three days now until that slams shut. And we're also going to end with Tuesday night's fixture, which is against Brighton Hove Albion. Of course, Brighton away is how we started the campaign. Uh, it would be a good measure to see how far we've come. So, Kieran, let's talk Everton. We fielded a... Strong team again, like we did against Bolton. It was there or thereabouts as strong as, as we could possibly have hoped for. Of course, a couple of injury concerns still preventing that that strongest eleven that we could possibly put out from, from actually being put out. 
Um, so, yeah, it, it was a strong team. It's what we expected. Everton kind of matched it with, with how strong their selection was, um, bar a couple of injuries their side as well. Um, and, and that made for an interesting contest, both, both managers showing their cards. It did. And I mean... I kind of assumed we'd both go strong anyway because, yes, we both play like playing on Tuesday. But I looked at the game and thought, do you know what? It's a team we've beaten in the league and at their place before. Like, it's not an unknown entity. And there was a lot of fans that sort of said, oh, Everton and Palace, oh, it's such a boring draw, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, we've beaten both sides. Like, that, that should not be a boring draw. We should be looking at that and going, all right, we'll do it again. Simple as. And, well, funnily enough, that's exactly what we did. But... It was a good, the first half was a good matchup. Second half, I'm going to quote a guy behind me and he said, fuck me, that is the worst half of football I have ever watched in my entire life. And he didn't just mean from a Luton perspective. I think he meant generally speaking. And I kind of looked at him and went, I'm not going to say you're wrong. I'm not going to say you're right either. <laughs> but yeah, all in all, I think it gave us a chance to put a strong side out, give most of them 60 minutes. And then you saw, obviously, the best legs were saved at around 60-65. We bought on your berries, your pellies. Joe Johnson even got minutes and he even played well, actually. I'll give him that. Um, even Corley Woodrow um, put in some good minutes. So, yeah, all in all, successful day out on Merseyside, isn't it? That, that has to be an Oak Road hatter first. Uh, Kieran saying Joe Johnson, right? Not saying Joe Jacobson. Yeah, good point. Good that point, is, um, of course, we'll go on to, to Joe Johnson, but we'll we'll speak about the game in itself. And, and you mentioned there that the first half was decent, the second half level sort of dipped. And I think that's a, a good way to put it. Um, I thought we started the game really, really strongly again. Um, Everton really struggled to, to string a few passes together. We looked threatening going forward. Link up play at the top end of the pitch was decent. Um, I, th I thought we deservedly took a one-goal lead in, into the break. That goal itself, there's a lot of, um, I say controversy, there always is when it's Luton scoring goals, it seems to be these days, um, for, for what is alleged to be a, a Barkley push on Dominic Calvert-Lewin, the softest push you'll ever see. Um, and then Reese Burke, I think, got his head to it. Yeah, I think it went down as a, a Mikalenko own goal. Um, but But... You know, corners, Luton, goals, it all, it all makes sense, don't it? Insert handshake emoji, Luton, corners, boom, job done. Like, they, in the previous fixture, you think back, we scored a beautiful set-piece goal for the first goal. And again, Everton couldn't deal with our set-pieces in that game. Same again, you'd think Dyke should learn his lesson, but hasn't, not at all. And you think with the bodies that Everton have as well, like your Brantwaite, your Tarkowski's, your Onanas, DCL, Beto, they're not short on height at all, literally. But they can't win a header for Toffee. Toffees, funnily enough. Um, and I think the thing with the first goal, and I've seen the video, but like, I didn't see the foul, big air quotes on foul, because I'll get into that in a minute, on DCL until after the game, um, and I was sort of, the goal went in and I was like, yeah, cool. And then I was like, wait, what are we checking VAR for? Saw the game back. Now, for those that have seen the video, you'll see a push on DCL. All I'm going to say is if you slow the video down, Ross Barkley's arms are fully extended. 
by the time that DCL's feet even leave the floor. It is physically impossible for him, if his arms are stretched, to push someone while stood still. So it is the most blatant dive you've ever seen in your life. And from a big six foot four lump like DCL, that is fucking shambolic. And it, it wasn't the first time. He wasn't the only player that was doing it last night. And it's just it's just funny. Like Deitch's teams are meant to be these big physical sides. They stick it on you. And the first 20 minutes they were. They were slide tackling, they were sticking it on us, and we were sticking it back on them, and it was good. And then they just started fucking falling over. And Onana, for all the technical quality he's got, Lukonga made him look shit yesterday because all he kept doing was just falling over. Every time he touched the ball, down he went. They have this really... I'm going to describe it in a nicer way. Whenever they made chances, I always thought it was like they always just got the rub of the green, but it wasn't because it was any good. It felt really clumsy. Like It was like, oh, the ball's just somehow bounced that direction. Oh, DCL's just missed the header. Oh, Beto's there. Oh, Beto's missed the head. Oh, DCL still ended up with the ball. And I think literally every chance they had was because we either gave it to them or it was like a lucky bounce or it just felt really clumsy. Not because they were actually any good. And that sounds really horrible. But I'm not sure like what your sort of viewpoint is from that in that sense. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, Everton fans, I think, would have every right to be disappointed with that that kind of performance. I've seen them you know, multiple times this season. You even compare it to, to the game at Goodison Park in, in September. They were a lot worse yesterday than than I've seen them all season. I think they're in a real difficult position at the moment. Um, I even saw a lot of Dyke shout, which, you know, that's, that's a load of rubbish, I think. But yeah, they're in a difficult spot. They're not playing with any confidence whatsoever. And as you say, that the chances they did manage to create involved a touch of fortune and and that leads us directly onto the goal where Amari Bell slips Tim Krull has a bit of a mare um, in terms of the save and you know I thought that could have been a real turning point here and I don't know about you but I thought that could be exactly what the crowd needed because I think the crowd was, was relatively quiet and disappointed with what they were with what their team were putting out and that could have been a real opportunity for the fans. Well, I think the fans did for, for a fair bit, but for Everton to pick up and, and really take the game to us, especially when you combine um, the, the subs that we brought on, given, given I don't know, well-earned rest to, to likes of Barkley, um, Doughty as well, really important, integral players and, and bringing on players that, you know, haven't had as many minutes. And, and as we said, Joe Johnson, that, that, is at the very start of his development at the moment. So, yeah, I think it was a missed opportunity from from their perspective to to really impose themselves. And a lot of that probably goes down to, to Tina Mengi and his performance. But but circling back to the goal and, and the momentum it could have caused, at that point, were you thinking were you thinking the worst? I was, in fairness. I, I will happily admit that. It was one of those where it went in and I just went, yeah, fine. And then we started making the changes and Eli got dragged and I was like, Hmm, don't know how I feel about that. And then the subs kept happening and I was like, I understand why they're happening. Don't get me wrong. I'm not naive. It's a cup game, but also, Oh God, we are not winning this cup game with the team that's on the pitch. Um, but then as the minutes went on, Everton were doing nothing with the chances and it got to about 81 minutes 
and I, I said to my dad, I was like, they're going to nick it here. Like, there's just so, there's like a little thing where I think Harrison had like an overhead kick that went over the bar. Beto missed an easy chance and stuff. I was like, they're just going to get one and it's going to go in. And he looked at me and went, if there's one thing that I can guarantee in this game, it's that we ain't losing. And it's not that, and he was like, it's not to say that we're going to go and win it. He was like, but like, fuck, are they going to score a goal? He was, he was utterly convinced he like, you could give them two yard sitters and they'd still find a way to miss it. That was just how unprolific, how unclinical, how, how bad they were. Like, the amount of times that they were just rushing, rushing shots and you're like, just take a touch, have a shot. They could have easily had three or four in that sort of ride of momentum from their first goal and they just couldn't hit a barn door or they were just rushing, rushing their chances. And then all it took is a, a little bit of football heritage or as Jose would say, football heritage. Luke Berry corner and a Corley Woodrow goal. To see us through to play Man City in the fifth round of the FA Cup. Now, if you thought that that was a sentence that you would read out loud, not because of your opinions of the players or anything like that, but just like those players in that place at that time, not a chance. And to think Joe Jacobs, like Joe Johnson, come on, and I thought, do you know what? Make the, the changes we made. I thought we're going to sort of. We're kind of conceding, like, it is what it is. If we lose, we lose. If we don't, we don't. Like, it is what it is kind of thing. It wasn't like it was setting up to lose, because that would be a stupid thing to say. But then, Luton. Luton, man. We always find a way to win. We always find a way to fight to the end. And fair play to Corley Woodrow, man, because he uh, he broke his hand and then still managed to score a winner. So, his respect or my respect for him is just... Straight back up after that moment. Fair play. The man scores goals, doesn't he? Um, he's a player that hasn't seen too many minutes at Luton since he's arrived. There's been a the yeah the fair few starts that he's had, but a lot of time off the bench. I mean, he has scored a, a few important goals as well. So fair play to Corley, um, as we said, uh, breaking his hand um, during a during a tackle a tackle. Or I don't know what it was in the end, but I, I know that Tarkovsky landed on on him. Um, which obviously broke his hand. Um, great to see him score, a confidence boost for sure. And that Luke Berry corner, as we mentioned, what a corner that was. You you got the feeling that something was happening when you saw him whip the ball the way he did. Um, and yeah, fortunately enough, it led to that winner. Joe Johnson, we'll have another quick mention on him. He looked really, really solid. For a player that's 18 years old, you know, he's he's... Come on on games, you, you think of the Exeter game where he, where he uh, started, didn't he? Had a real difficult evening, um, as all of our players did on, on that day. He's also come into games where he's looked fairly decent, but this was being chucked in the deep end, I guess. Um, we just sort of conceded maybe 10 minutes before. Momentum seemed to be shifting at that point. It seemed that Everton were going to take control. We're at Goodison Park in front of 37,000, a Premier League team. You know, they, they still had Premier League quality all over the pitch. And he, he contributed, didn't he? There was a few um, a few tackles he made, a few defensive duels he won. There were a few clearances and he, he linked the play well as well going forward. Really impressed by by this 18-year-old that Rob Edwards evidently rates very highly and, and somebody that, you know, you wouldn't be surprised if he continues to, to get opportunities. 
Yeah, I think the key thing, the thing with young players is they're quite quick in judgment or more rash in their judgment in terms of how they play. They're very much like, as a defender, it's like, if in doubt, get it out rather than look left, look right. Actually, can I just get the ball down and play? And it was evident that they must have literally just said to him, just do the basics, just do this and do that. Don't fuck around, don't do anything else. Because um, it's easy for a kid like that to get like, at any age, 17, 18, to get excited about the occasion, playing at Goodison, in front of 40,000, you're like, do you know what? Like, yeah, the occasion can blind your ability a little bit. But he just put his head down, played football, played the right passes, recovered when he needed to, cleared the ball when he needed to. He wasn't there to do anything flash. He was definitely not going on and told, you know what, go and be the man that wins this game. He was just there to be like, just be the legs. Like you don't have to do an Alfie Dalty and fucking sprint up and down the pitch for ninety minutes, but do the right job for twenty. Keep it tight. Keep the shape. And there was a lot of times where he was bringing the likes of Luke Berry and Corley into play, which were contributing to chances later in the game. Which, funnily enough, then won the corner, which subsequently won us the game. So one of those where I'm not going to be like, oh my god, ten out of ten, like perfect performance, but equally zero wrong. Just like I said, did the basics, did them well, just did his job. And that's going to build confidence. It's just when you have games like that, that are just, you know what? Well done. You did exactly what you needed. Got 30 minutes against a big side and you played well. And Kieran, it would be absolutely criminal for us not to focus in on Tida Mengi, the job he did against the, the powerful front two that, that Everton possess. Tida Mengi is 21 years old. I tried to... to you know, put that to me, three years younger than me. Um, and he is delivering performances like that. Incredible, incredible stuff from, from him. And, you know, there's been mentions of, of clubs taking a look at him. And you can, you can see why. At 21 years of age, the performances on a consistent basis as well, you, you think of the last, you know, since he's actually come into the first team and, and started playing regular football, he has been sensational. There hasn't been a bad performance or a below par performance that I can think of. Um, and it's not just, it's not just winning tackles and, and winning duels. He's so composed on the ball, athletic as anything. And he really does have, you know, everything that, that is required of a, a world-class defender. He is a world-class defender in the making in my eyes. And I don't think that's, you know, bias in any sort of way. I think at 21 years, of age and to be delivering performances like that uh, it, it deserves a lot a lot of credit and I think yeah it would have been criminal if we would have moved past this segment without mentioning how good he was honestly just one million pounds that man cost us one million pounds meanwhile the club that sold him to us or happily went yeah just give us a meal and we'll fuck him off a persevering with Johnny Evans as a centre half Oh no, we need centre half cover. Let's bring in Johnny Evans. Sorry, mate, that was barely working for you ten years ago in the Fergie era. Let alone now. And you've just take like you've let your one of your youth prospects and probably best assets go for a million quid. And now he's playing week in, week out. I'd argue he's one of the first names on the team sheet every single week without fail. And like you said, you've got a Palace, you've got a Fulham looking at him, and at the moment, I'll be honest. They're not forward steps, they're sideward steps. There's a reason that those offers aren't going to get entertained. But the thing is, the 
thing for me is if he continues playing at that level and continues putting in these these sort of level of performance, how long before a Brighton, a West Ham, a Chelsea, someone like that come in and go, yeah, big bit of me that, thank you very much, is 30 million, bosh. And you go, well, that's a sizable profit. Fair enough. On to the next one. But until that day, I'm going to enjoy every minute of Ted and Mengi that we get. That is 100%. Let's go on to the next round of the FA Cup. And um, yeah, watching it and listening to it, um, I'm sure our Luton fans would have probably hoped for something different. Um, but it was Man City. The good part is it's at Kenworth Road. The additional good part is, is that, to, to my understanding, it's, it's going to be under the lights Tuesday, Wednesday night, I think. Um, similar to, to Chelsea when we played them in, in, in the fifth round, wasn't it? That was midweek. And what an occasion that turned out to be. I know we didn't make it through, but but what a game. Um, some high quality goals in that game for, from us. And we're, I think that was a point where we started to really believe that we could compete um, and that the Premier League wasn't really that, that far away. Um, but of course, we've played Man City this season. We gave a really good account of ourselves. Um, you know, so good that come whenever this game is played, we can have, you know, belief that, that we can go one better than, than the 2-1 defeat. We, we can have belief that we can knock out the, the best team in the world. I mean, magic of the FA Cup, right? Maidstone, that's all you got to look at. Maidstone knocking out every team that just come against them at the moment. And then you look at the draw they've got. Again, they've got Coventry or Sheffield Wednesday. And if you're a Maidstone fan, you're looking at that and going, oh, yes, please. Don't mind that. And you're thinking, even if you get Coventry, no offence, Cov, because I do rate you and you are a good side. But if they can beat Ipswich at, uh, away as well, they're licking their lips at you and Chef Weds and thinking, yeah, that's a potential quarterfinal. So then if Maidstone United, who are step six, are thinking that about a championship side, what's to stop us thinking that about Man City? I look back to that game and you think we go 1-0 up and then their second goal was heavily avoidable. Would they have scored another one potentially if that didn't go in? Maybe, but it's a hypothetical scenario in it, so you never know. But for me... It's cup football. Anything can happen. Like in the league, it's it's simple. It's three points. And if you get to eighty nine minutes and you can't quite get a win, you just shut up shop and go for go for the one. This is everything or nothing and there's no replays. It's one one at full time. You just go for it at that point. And even with a Man City, if they go for it, what's to stop a Chio or Bene counter attack and an Eli winner? Like it anything could genuinely happen that evening. It'll either, we could get slapped 5-0 for all I care, or we could sneak a 2-1 and we could be on a quarterfinal in the FA Cup. You look at the draw and I know one of the Oak Road lads in our chat earlier was sort of saying, oh, the draw's a bit shit. And I think Jamie came back and said, but you know what? If, look at how open it is. Like there's only three big, there's only three ties of the eight, I think, that are all Premier League games. If we were to hypothetically get through into that quarterfinal, we'd actually probably be one of the favourites to fucking win the thing, which is mental. 
And at that point, the debate comes back, doesn't it? You think of Wigan when they won the FA Cup and got relegated. Do you look at this season and go, do you know what? Would you rather win the FA Cup and go down or would you rather stay up? We can always come back up. That's what I'd say. So, I mean, I'd obviously love to do both. And I think, God knows, mate, but even even if we got knocked out in the next round, to be fair, to get to the last 16, we've done really bloody well for ourselves so far. But let's just kick Ireland a few times and let's just get through to the next one, shall we? Maidstone, Maidstone away in the quarterfinal and then we're at Wembley. Job done. Well, Kieran, you posed the question. Who, well, if the, the opportunity arises, um, of course, it's uh, completely hypothetical. And there is that that slight possibility that, that we do both. Do you want to win the FA Cup over Sten Premier League? For the memories, yes. For the finances, no. Like, yes, you'll win money for the FA Cup, but we'll also get a fuck ton of money if we stayed up. And equally, as good as <clears throat> that memory would be of, oh my God, my team have won an FA Cup and you look at like a Portsmouth or something like that, who have got an FA Cup to their name and that's all they can scream about and fair play to them because they absolutely fucking should. And the same with Wigan. I'd love to shout about that sort of thing. But equally, I'm quite a long-term thinker and I would rather go, because then your next hypothetical question is, but if you stay up, you'll stay up for the next five years and you go, well, obviously I'm going to want to take that as opposed to trying to yo-yo from the championship and back up. So I'm going to be pedantic potentially and I'm going to say I would rather not win the FA Cup if that was the difference between going up or staying up or going down. I think that's a very respectable answer and I'll probably, I'll probably go the same way as you. We'll, we'll quickly head into a break and when we're back, we've got the latest on the January transfer rumour front and we've got all things Brighton at home. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. We are back for part two of today's episode and that leads us straight into the January transfer window and you know we're edging very, very close to the end of the window and that's when most of the rumours start surfacing, especially when you are a follower of Luton Town. First one is one that we've brought before, but but there's you know continued developments. There's there's a lot more lines to these stories these days, Kieran. I remember the days when um the only thing you knew 
was if a player had signed or not. There was nothing to do with the the ins and outs of the contract details. There was nothing really being reported other than we have signed a player, we haven't signed a player, blah, blah, blah. But the situation on Ryan Giles is pretty clear, I think, by everything that's been going on in terms of the, the big media outlets reporting on his situation. The fact that he did not play a part at Everton um, does suggest that that he is on his way off. I think the latest is that whole city are the ones that are supposedly going to land him. Um, there, uh, what the li- latest line was, it was that it was a loan to buy. Um, it was valued around sort of five million pounds, similar to to what we were reported to have paid for him. Ryan Giles Kieran, I. I, I sort of spoke about the situation before by myself last time out but what do you what do you think of this whole whole situation with the the young left back are you surprised that we're sanctioning a potential permanent exit do you think there was a way back for 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 ryan giles especially considering he has had a fair few minutes in sort of recent times um and you know going to a team like Hull, do you think he'll be a valued addition I'm going to take an interesting stance on this because obviously you get a lot of discourse on Twitter and stuff where people are sort of like, why are we selling a player that we bought six months ago? Why are we selling our record signing? I'm going to, I'm going to throw a potential idea and that might start to turn people's brains and mindsets around a little bit. So think of it like this. We are a team that is battling relegation as it stands. That is a real life scenario. Now, if you are a player that is lacking minutes, nine times out of ten, you're not going to be particularly pleased about that, especially in a relegation fight, and especially when the club has spent £5 million on you. Naturally, if you are getting less minutes, your morale is going to get low. Now, in a relegation fight, what is the exact thing you do not want in that scenario is low morale. So, if a player is coming to the manager and is hypothetically very unhappy about his playtime, the natural reaction is either one, you have two options, is one, the manager says, you're going to get game time, stick with it and trust the process. Or two, the realistic option, which is evidently I think where we're at, is Rob's looked at it and gone, you're not really second choice to me, or I can do without you at this point because you're not happy i don't need a player upsetting the apple cart and you're probably not going to get any minutes so for the sake of your development off you go to go and get them and then if you do well or i think the sort of option to buy is then a case of if he does well at hull because that's probably where he's gonna go if he does well at hull cool stay there if you like and then if they're if they get promoted this season then fair play to them because then they've got a they've got a player who's bedded into their system or we then take a player back who's had six months of first team football. And then he comes back to us when you could either be in a situation where Luton are in the championship and we now don't have Alfie Doughty. So then Giles is our first team fullback as it were, or you come back and you've got a player who's developed more and is more fine tuned to what we're after in a player. Like I think a lot of people don't, they take things for face value or they make their own fucking stupid assumptions of what's actually going on. Fact of the matter is, 
even with me just presenting that scenario there, do you really think that I have a fucking clue what goes on behind closed doors with players? No. But equally, I also don't pretend to know. So, like, all this stuff of, oh, we're selling our record signing for five million and da-da-da-da-da. Like, none of us know why that's happening. And that scenario I just presented is hypothetical. And it might just be as simple as he's not getting minutes and he isn't going to get played. Or there might actually be an even bigger reason or an underlying reason or a personal matter that leads to his exit that we're not going to know because that's between him and Rob or him and the club. And it is what it is. Um, But I think for us, with an eye to the future, we are not the sort of club, and everyone should know this as well, we are not the sort of club that let a player go without having something coming in or happening. And I don't know why people keep thinking that that is a a thing that happens at Lewin, because it doesn't. When have we ever sold a player or let a player go with, I dare I say, without valid reason, but not had the replacement in line already? I know people get sick of hearing the phrase, trust the process, but there's a reason that people bang on and tune on about it because it's true and that you shouldn't make up assumptions or make up hypothetical scenarios like I've just presented. Yeah, fine. But at least I know it's hypothetical and I don't pretend to know the truth. It is what it is. It's, it'd be sad to see him go um, if he does go, because I do think there is there is a player there. We We all know there's a player there, but equally, if that player doesn't want to be involved at Luton, see you later, mate. That's... That's all there is to it. Whatever happens, Ryan Giles, he, he leaves with the best of luck. Um, a player, uh, as you just said there, Kieran, we all know the kind of potential and the kind of play he can be. Um, he displayed that at, at Middlesbrough. He's he's a fine attacking threat. And I think he developed defensively as well um, with us. You, you look back to the Man City game. I think he had a very solid display there. Um Things have just been very difficult for him because Alfie Doughty is, is, you know, rose to one of England's finest fullbacks. And, and that's, you know, incredible to say in itself. Alfie's the one that's really benefited from from Giles's arrival. Um, so whatever happens with Ryan Giles, best of luck, um, whether it's Hull, whether it's any other club that have been mentioned. Um, it'll be interesting to follow that one. But from the left side of the fence to the right, there is a potential incoming and it's potential incoming from a uh, Belgian club. Uh, I, I butcher this every time I, I've gone to say it. So I'll, I'll just say Belgian club for now. Um, but it's J- Japanese international Daiki Hashioka, um, a player that has also been linked with Leeds. And um, I think when when we um, found the first report that, that came through yesterday morning, it, it mentioned Luton, Leeds and Genk being interested in, um, I've just remembered the team now, they've Trident, I think, Sint Trident, something like that. Um, but yeah, since then there's been developments. Um, it, it looked for a bit, Belgian journalists were suggesting that the move to, to Leeds was more likely. Um, but, but Mike McGrath from The Telegraph, who's always been reliable per, per Luton News, um, suggested Luton Town are in advanced talks. Um, there's now a Belgian journalist um, that, that said it will be it will be Luton Town. 
um, in re- in regards to a two million euro, yeah two million euro deal for the Japan international. Um, try to watch as many clips as possible to see the kind of player he is. He does look very bright, very positive, um, physically very good. He's somebody that, that wins his duels, and I think the data backs that up. Um, a player that's also got a good eye for a pass, um, plays right wing back or right back, gives gives a bit of versatility on that side and hopefully helps push Chio up the pitch a bit because I don't think Chio's been as effective as a right wing back as he as he was at the start of the season in those more forward positions. Um, of course, it will be competition for Isakabore should the deal come to fruition and he become a Luton player before that deadline in just a few days' time. Kieran, it's you know somewhat of an unknown entity at this stage, but you know it is potentially potential that, that Luton could be spending seven figures again, um, and a player that that sort of looking at it from base level has you know an element of excitement to it. Yeah, I'm more intrigued actually more of the long term benefit of this signing because obviously said then he's a right wing back, and obviously we've already got Kabore on loan. So one, you have that option for depth. Two, you then look at it as we probably know that we're not going to have Kabore for more than this season anyway, even if we stay up. So then you're already future planning for that, whether we're in the Premier League or the Championship, here's our next right back, basically. Um, and then essentially probably using the back end of the season to mould him into our style of football. The other option, and I don't want to speculate and throw it out there and... You know, everyone was on about Lukonga's loan getting cancelled to make that a permanent. Could you imagine if Kabore's loan got cancelled? Just an idea. I don't know if there's a termination clause in there, but if there isn't, oh dear, that could be an idea. But either way, um, again, told you off for speculating and now I'm speculating, but I think it's a good addition. I think. The trouble is the only depth we've had for right wing back so far this season is Doughty or Bene. And the trouble is with Doughty playing there is it just increases that fatigue level um, and he is more effective on the left. You then have Bene, who personally not ideal defensively and I think that showed in the cup tie on the weekend. Um, but offensively, Obene is much better and therefore it then, like you said, it frees him up to be that offensive player that we know he can be, as opposed to trying to make him a right back, as it were. Yes, uh, we mentioned both mentioned there about Ogbene being more effective, a little bit more advanced. And yeah, I felt I felt quite sorry for him at the weekend. Um I know I think it's something that that's been happening ever since he's been playing sort of that that wing back position. We all know how good he was at the start of the season. You think of just some of the the games in sort of September time, October time, where he was you know hitting unplayable levels, where he clocked to the the fastest speed in the Premier League, um, doing the majority of his good work on the left, but also causing causing threats on the right. He struggled to be as effective in 1v1 situations. And I think big part of that is because now he's been doubled up on, I think, footage from, from those sort of September, October games are being put forward to the teams we're playing and, and they identify him as a threat regardless of where he plays on the pitch. But he's also, because he likes to get forward, he likes to get at players, 
there is that natural gap that that's left. And because he's very attacking and he likes to get his man, um, if the ball is turned over, then he's got so much running to do. And I think that's why we've seen him be a little bit more reserved in an attacking capacity the last few weeks. I think I saw that lots in that Everton game where he checks back in and plays the ball sideways. Um, so, yeah, bringing in a right wing back, um, somebody to challenge Kabore when Kabore's back can only be a good thing for, for Ogbené as well, getting back to, to one of those three roles in the forward line, uh, what, left or right, not a central role, of course. But I think he's somebody that could really benefit, like like Doughty benefited from Giles' arrival and, and having that competition level. I think Ogbené will benefit from um, Hashioka coming in or potentially coming in at this stage. Um don't know if you, you've sort of found something similar with Ogbené in, in recent weeks, but he hasn't been as effective as we've come to, you know, not expect of him, but as we've come to, to see of him in certain games. No, it was, for me, he was heavily exploited yesterday. You noticed there was a lot of diagonal balls down his side in terms of just exploiting the space behind him. Dwight, Dwight McNeil was behind him all the time. And I don't think that was necessarily because Ogbené was... It's a mix because there's a lot of times where I think back and Ogbené was well out of position or not tracking the right man and he's central and then there's two on the left and you're like, right, the one team you don't want to see put crosses in and they're literally just spamming crosses like it's a game of FIFA. Like it's because he's not... like Like you said about him, he's attacking-minded. So because he thinks attack first, defence second, that's not like a second nature instinct to him to be like, oh yeah, fuck, I need to cover that space. Oh yeah, I need to be the one that stops across. Oh, I need to be in that position, not that position. Um, which makes it impossible when it's sort of like in the way that we want to play, we sort of briefly spoke about this before the pod and it's like, I like the idea of you have, if you're playing two fullbacks, obviously left and right, I like the idea that one is more offensive and the other is more defensive. So in this case, this is where when we had Doughty and Drame last season, it worked so well because Drame was more defensive. Doughty is more offensive, but then you've got Amari Bell supplementing Doughty. So if that ball gets played behind Doughty because he's just been on the attack and like you said, we lost the ball in transition, you then effectively are a back four. And you've got Bell to still do that level of cleanup. But it was obvious that if Obene had pushed up, then Reese Burke wasn't doing that because that wasn't part of the instruction, as it were. And that and that's fine. Um, it's almost like a mini thing to maybe look at. But then perhaps when we briefly spoke about Hashioka and you sort of said you'd seen some clips and he's a bit he's more of a drame than he is a doughty, right? So then does that ease our defensive woes a little bit does then that allow Doughty even more freedom of the pitch in that respect and even if he goes inside or goes outside you then go all right well we know we've got the confidence of a back four um and that's where Amari Bell is best and he's substantially improved in recent weeks as well so I like the idea of having a more defensive fullback as opposed to yet another offensive fullback Let's turn our attention to Brighton at home. Of course, Brighton was the game we opened our Premier League campaign with. 
it was a 4-1 defeat. We saw plenty of positives, but but ultimately uh, beaten by the better team on the day. It was a sort of a harsh welcome to the Premier League, uh, given how good of a club they are. They're very good from from you know playing staff to to everyone involved with the club. They they do things in a good way. Uh, they earn a lot of money in doing so. Uh, some of the deals they've they've been able to to manage. They're a club that a lot of teams well, a lot of people in football and out of football have suggested are a, a real model club but I think also at the same time Luton are, are starting to fit into that mould in terms of being a model club for, for those lower down in the, the pyramid they're a side as well that, that have this sort of expansive exciting playing style um, hasn't really I, I know they're still doing very well but hasn't probably been as effective as they were maybe last season that's something that the Brighton fans have every right to, to come at us with. Um, that's through through not watching them week in, week out and seeing them just in select games. But but ultimately, they are still the same team. They are a threat. They sit above the likes of Chelsea, Manchester United and Newcastle. And they are a very good team. They are. And I think I don't watch much of Brighton, I'll be honest. But the one thing that I'll sort of take is they will be playing playing a completely different Luton team that they were playing at the start of the season. You had this sort of, <clears throat> you look back in hindsight and we were this nervous outfit of, oh, it's Premier League football or oh, the occasion. Oh my God, however are we going to cope? And it's really like just, it's mental to look back on actually when you compare how we were even three, four months ago to how we are now. And we're this team that are like, nah, we're going to grab games by the scruff of the neck. Nah, we're more than good enough to win three points here. Whereas before, we were a bit like, mm, are we good enough to get three points here? Are we good enough to try that? Do we try that? Do we take a risk? The answer now is absolutely because there's a few games where we've taken risks and nicked points. Crystal Palace is the one I think of. Liverpool, again, Arsenal should have had something. I think at home, I, I'll stand by the devil's advocate point of at home, we can be absolutely anyone. And obviously that's without me watching much of Brighton and any new signings they've made between say December and now. Um, but I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see. I know for a fact you can guarantee an exciting game of football between Luton and Brighton without doubt. Um, I think Brighton have the quality, but equally, when you're a side like Brighton and you're also in European football for the first time, is it their first time ever in European football this year? Was it? Um, I think it is. Isn't it? Yeah, no, I think it was this year. Yeah. Like Europe, yeah. It's their first time ever in Europe now. You, They're doing well. You get to a point where you go, hmm, how much do I care about this fixture in exchange for doing really well in Europe? But equally, hmm midweek so it's a tough one i'm gonna be i'd be happy with a draw put it that way i can't see us getting a win because they're that sort of they're dynamic they're interchangeable they're hard to predict but i'd like to think that we are the same as well we're not we're not a predictable side to play so i'm going to throw my prediction out there early and i'm going to go one one keep it tight Jao Lapido will probably score. Um, and Eli will score. 1-1. One, one. Yeah, 
Yeah, as we as we mentioned, Brighton are a very sort of expansive, exciting team to watch uh, for, for for the most part. I think they struggled. The game I watched them recently, they drew nil nil or lost one nil. I think they drew nil nil against Wolves. I think it was. Yeah. Um, they showed signs of of struggling and and not being able to carve out really any opportunities. But I think Wolves again, Wolves. I've been really impressed with in, in recent weeks. They are Brighton. You know what you're going to expect. You, you know what you're coming into the game and, and expecting. They're a team that will play out from the back. They will, as you said, Kieran, be interchangeable and, and difficult to pick up. Um, and I would have said maybe three or four months ago, maybe at the start of the season, it's a, a real clash of styles. But but with Barkley and Lukonga playing the way they are, um, I keep banging on about the same point, but you know, with those two, I, I believe we can win midfield battles and, and, you know, not just physically, but with the ball at our feet. I think we've become a much better in possession side with having Barkley and Lukonga together. And that makes it for a really interesting battle. I think the midfield, again, will be the most interesting battle on the pitch. Um, should we have got through Everton, unsca- uh, yeah, sorry, Everton unscathed, then... You know, I think we can really, really stick it to Brighton. You said you can't see us winning this one. I'm a little bit different, but I'll wait until we speak a little bit more before I give my prediction. Just looking at their position um, in terms of their away form as well. They're they're seventh at the moment, 32 points from 21 games, plus five goal difference. So again, top six is, is within grasp for them. Um, they'll be really competitive. It'll be a very important game for them in that respect. But away from home, they've got 12 points from 10 games, minus three goal difference. So certainly want to be playing them uh, with uh, with Brighton being the away team uh, as opposed to playing them at home. What do you expect from them, Kieran? Do you think that they're going to be a different side away from home than than at the Amex? Do you think that they're expecting a different version of Luton than the current the current levels that we're displaying. Um, do you think that that Brighton will be underestimating us in in any way, or do you think that the sort of latest footage that they will undoubtedly be watching will, will sort of tell the story? I think Brighton would be incredibly naive to underestimate us. They're not that sort of club by any stretch. I think Deserby will. All you got to do is even not just as a Brighton fan, but any football fan, look at the starting eleven that we started the started the game with in the first game and now look at our starting eleven now. Massively different. Look at our results recently. Massively different. Much better trends, much better stats, much better performances. And they'll look at that and go, hmm, yeah, we've got a bit more of a game here. Whereas like before, when we went to the Amex, just silly mistakes but like championship level mistakes we hadn't adapted to the league i hate i hate that that phrase but it's fair whereas now there's no excuse to use that phrase of oh we haven't adapted to the league or we're still learning how to play premier league football no we're not <laughs> we're not anymore so at this point i think it's going to like i've said before it's already going to be a lot more competitive it's not going to be this walking apart for brighton the other factors the obvious ones, the under the lights, the midweek, the Kenny, it all writes beautiful nights and hopefully it won't end like the Arsenal game, but it 
is going to be a much better showdown and it'll be harder for them than they think. They won't have it. I think we gave it to them last time and we made it. Like It wasn't a 4-1 game, even though we played terribly. It wasn't a 4-1 game, whereas this time we're not going to give it away like that. And if they, if Brighton beat us, Brighton will beat us more than likely out of merit as opposed to they're just not very good yet, basically. Whereas now we've got our solidified 11 and what you see is what you get with us. And we've built this style of football and we've built this mentality and it showed it even in the cup game. Like, oh, well, they've just chucked on five players who never start and never get any Premier League minutes. Still beat Everton though, didn't you? Like Everton aren't no Brighton and no Valbion, don't get me wrong, but the fight's there. And we've shown it against Liverpool, shown it against Arsenal, shown it against Chelsea. Once we get going at the Kenny, if you let us get going, it's trouble for any team. Well, Kieran, I'll just read this out to you. And this is why Luton fans will come into this fixture with, with confidence. Win, win, draw, draw, loss, win, win. And two of those games, of course, were against Bolton. So, you know, wow. that's not Premier League opposition, but the rest of them against Premier League opposition. Um, you know, we bring confidence into this game. We do bring a lot of confidence. Even that loss, that was the 3-2 to Chelsea where we showed plenty of fight and, and desire to get ourselves back into that game. There is confidence in the camp. And Brighton, we, we've mentioned their seventh, they're, they're rightfully competing at the, the sort of higher ends of the division. But Luton Town, you know, we, we're proving to be such difficult opponents for, for, you know, even the best of teams in this division. So that is why Luton fans carry this confidence. We may stay still sit in the, the relegation places, but, you know, we come into this game with, with every bit of faith that we can cause a lot of trouble to a side as, as you know, as strong as Brighton are. Yeah, I mean, now that you've said that, yeah, 100%. I didn't realise that our record was actually quite that good, if I'm completely honest. Um, so now you put it like that, yeah, maybe there is a chance we'll win after all. Can I, can I rescind my prediction? Like, I'll give you a chance. I'll give you a chance. Yeah, yeah. We'll move on to these score predictions, Kieran. So uh, I'll give you mine of 2-1 Luton. It seems to be a common um, theme at the moment. Of course, we beat Bolton 2-1 at Bolton. We beat Everton 2-1 at Everton. I'll return to Kenworth Road for our first Premier League fixture of 2024. I'm going to go another 2-1 victory to Luton Town. And uh, this is your moment to either change your Change your mind or stick with that boring one all. They say stick or twist, don't they? Uh, twist. 1-0 Luton. Love it. Well, that is all for today. A big thank you to you, Kieran, for joining. A big thank you to everyone watching and listening. And whilst, and if you haven't switched on yet, actually, please like this video and subscribe to the YouTube channel as we continue to try and grow. Um, subscriptions and likes and shares mean more than, than you probably anticipate so continue trying to grow this channel for us and we'll continue bringing the content and until after this fixture where we hopefully are talking about three more points to goodbye from us
The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.